Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Whew, we are back to, like, our normal recording schedule. We, like, tried to record at a different time of day last week, and I felt like it went a lot shorter than it normally does when we record in the evenings, which seems weird to me because I'm always super tired when we go to record. But apparently I talk more when I'm tired. Yeah, I think also I'm worried about work too during the day. So, yeah. Like, you know, normal people who have jobs, they're supposed to be working instead of recording a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Thankfully, no one at your job listens to our podcast or really cares. So, you know. That's true. Yep. We're good. Hmm. It's warm out. It's nice. I would have the windows open, but we have like a redneck neighbor who likes to rev his decrepit truck at all hours of the day and night. So I can't have. It wasn't even a truck today. It was like a Camaro. Oh, well, he was revving the truck, too. I heard that. Uh, He drove off in the Camaro like a tool. I didn't know he had a Camaro. I ain't either. He has like a hundred cars. <laughs> New cars are always showing up. I don't I don't understand it. It's definitely not a conducive recording environment. Let's put the word new in quotes. <laughs> New cars. I meant previously unseen, I guess, is the <laughs> word I mean. I Yeah. Yeah, I have no I have no um zany banter to talk about. It is kinda nice though to um record late at night because our uh, friends over at the Board Game Rundown usually release their um, weekly show on Wednesdays, which is when we're recording this, during the day. So then if I want to steal their episode idea, I can like listen to that first and then use it later on when we record. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But not today, because their episode uh, topic was stupid. Yeah, I would agree. But it's their show. That's right. I don't know about stupid, just not just not interesting to me, which is what I love about, um, at least for me, about the board game community is that there are all different types of board games out there, all different levels of board gamers, um, different types of games and interests, and I I think it's so good that we have lots of different types of reviewers and things because different people are into different stuff, and I think that should be celebrated. Like I really hate. And I see this in a lot of other kind of like fandoms and hobbies where some people assign themselves as gatekeepers of the hobby and they want to question your commitment, your loyalty, you know, are you really truly a fan? Are you really truly a board gamer? Oh, you like to play Monopoly? Well, you're obviously an idiot. I can't stand that. We don't have to stomp on other people's joy. You can like what you want to like. If you want to like terrible space games, that's fine. You play them with utter abandon. I will not play them with you, but I will cheer along your right to do so and enjoy it. Yeah, you want to play Monopoly? Play Monopoly. Right, go for it, man. I, I played Monopoly a lot when I was younger. It was a good time. I did too. I, I, yeah, I like to play a lot of mass market games. You know, I love playing card games, which we'll kind of get into later in this episode's so like feature. I grew up playing cards, so just a basic bicycle deck, like, that is entertainment for me for hours, because I know lots of card games. I'm from the Midwest. Like, we love to play card games. Um, you know, I I think there are people that love min- miniatures and love combat, and we don't talk about that um, on this podcast, because we don't like that. And we may poke fun at it and be like, oh, the mini- everybody's got their minis out, but that doesn't, I would never want to take that away from someone or said that they shouldn't like that you wouldn't say that but i i, I feel like i would say that <laughs> you would say that i wouldn't just say it out loud to anybody <laughs> that's true i would say it to you but nobody else yeah but everyone i can can love their own kind of board games and that's perfectly fine so i don't know that was just like a psa that came out of nowhere i thought i saw something in a board game group this week where um Someone had mentioned maybe a video that Rodney Smith had done. And I mean, being the consummate Canadian, of course, I'm sure he was very nice. Um, And it's something about him reminding people that we shouldn't try and take away other people's joy for whatever kind of games they enjoy. Yeah, something like that. I looked at it briefly, but then I realized I didn't really care. So (laughs) I never read any of the board game groups. I'm like real, real bad about that, but. I completely, wholeheartedly agree. You can like what you like. And that's for all fandoms. 
You want to like Star Wars? You don't have to know all the deep cuts, origin stories, whatever. If you want to get into that, go for it. If you want to listen to heavy metal, you don't have to... Do it, because it's awesome. Right, but you don't have to know the name of every member that's ever been in that band, um, and when they left, or how they died, because a lot of them did. Um, You know, to be, like... I shouldn't have to answer to somebody else about things I like. Like what you like. That's something that a poser would say. I will come back there and hate you. (laughs) All right, let's talk about news. And by news, I'm not going to mean what's going on in the board gaming community because I don't want to get involved in politics like I just did. Um, But I want to talk about stuff on Kickstarter. And oh my goodness, there are several things that are just getting ready by the time that this um, podcast is going to go live that there's only going to be a few days left. I couldn't fit them all in because Jason doesn't like it when I talk about 20 things on news. So I have four. I have four. And therefore, I just pick them because i wanted to one only has two days left so this is like uh like if you want to check this out by the time this podcast airs two days left and that is cult evade this is by pops and biju games the the word cult is in all caps in the title of cultivate because you are a cult leader in this game and you're trying to recruit followers um, to fill out these agendas. So, like, the, the cult leaders, like, their names are real hilarious. There's, like, um, Pierre Ahmed Scheme, Shirley UL Die. Um, anyway. <laughs> Lee Sacando. Um, so, they're, like, based on, like, jokingly about cult leaders or pyramid schemes, all those kind of things. So it's like funny kind of tongue in cheek stuff, but the gameplay looks really interesting. So you get a compound because you know, every good cult has a compound and in your compound, um, like then you also get these, uh, you have an agenda based on who you are as a cult leader and you have an agenda for getting certain types of followers and you're actually like trying to to um recruit uh followers into your um compound in in a certain like pattern so there's pattern kind of building and you recruit them by playing cards like oh here's a card that says free ice cream so you gain one kind of youth follower because of that or you publish an opinion piece so you gain an academic follower so there's all these different kinds of followers which are these cool little um different colored and uh screen printed meeples they're really cute they're like super cute um and so you want to get them and place them in the specific arrangement on your compound to meet your win conditions your agenda as a cult leader while you're going through and trying to recruit these people, you can also turn over undercover investigation cards. So investigators can then come into your compound. So they're going to block you um, from being able to recruit people into certain spots on the compound, which I think is super cool. And so then you can like, once you're getting fall, you can get followers and you can, there's like an exchange rate. So you can um, exchange followers in and out you can then use certain types of follow like followers to um, activate like special powers to even allow you to get rid of investigator allow you to exchange a couple different kinds of followers for a certain type of follower um it's really kind of fun like i just think it's so funny it's got this cute um artwork that i really love and it's just tongue-in-cheek but seems like pretty fun like Playing these cards, recruiting them, moving these little cute meeples around. So there's only two days left on that Kickstarter if you want to check it out. And to get the basic uh, cult game, you get like a little holographic sticker, which is adorable. Um, and you get like you um, for 35 bucks. I feel like that's a pretty good deal. It looks really fun. It plays um, two to two to five players. So that's cult hmm. Evate. It sound when when this when I saw the title, I thought it was going to have something to do with Cthulhu. No, it's regular cults. Regular not cults, blah, 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 tentacle cults. <laughs> yeah, no, this that does sound kind of interesting. I might have to look that up. I kind cool. I kind of want it. I know you'll never. I'll look it. Up. I know you'll never back it. I don't even know why I say these things out loud. It's like <laughs> I say on the podcast because I want it to be noted in you know far posterity 
that I saw these games, thought they were awesome. Jason wouldn't back them. Later, he's desperately trying to find a copy of them on retail when if he had just backed them when I said at the Kickstarter, you know, time period, we wouldn't be having these problems. But the funny thing is I could edit all this stuff out when you say you want a game and no, you wouldn't even know. I would. That's right. Because I don't listen to our podcast. But (laughs) I would remember the game. Because we were just in um, a board game store the other day when we were celebrating our anniversary, and because that's what we do. <laughs> we're the exciting couple we are. We go to board game stores when we're out on our anniversary date. And I said, hey, I remember this game. I talked about it on the podcast once in my news segment. I that's true. remember. Remember when we backed Pacific Rails and then we got Pacific Rails and you said, oh, did I tell you to back that? <laughs> remember that? You remember that one? No, it wasn't when we got it. I kept saying it when you kept telling me it was going to fulfill. I'm like, what the heck game is that? <laughs> <laughs> then eventually, after you, after I said that like three times, I remembered. Like I had to go look at it at the like Kickstarter page. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember why I said we should back it. <laughs> I eventually got there. Okay, the next game, um, I don't think this game is going to fund, but I I don't think that's what my news section is about. I, I just want to bring you information about interesting games. And this game looks interesting, and it's called Carbon Control. Now, it's actually a game about organic chemistry, which at first it's like, oh my gosh, boring. And while this could be an educational tool, what's really interesting is this guy based it on the fact that his sons memorized all these facts about Pokemon because they were playing the game. What all these characters were, their stats, what they, you know, turn into, all this stuff. And he's like, why can't we make other types of learning that interesting and we just need to use a game? So he wanted the same thing with chemistry. So... In this game, you are moving around the board, you're collecting different molecules, and there are different, the other problem I have with this is that there are different pledge levels, and you really have to kind of go almost all in order to get everything that makes this game worth playing, in my opinion. So you're getting- Is it from CMON? It is not. It's from a game designer, programmer, vegetable grower, and hobby chemist. No, I don't know- Oh, he's just some rando it's guy. Some rando guy. This is the first thing he's ever created. Um, That's cool. Yeah, which is another thing. Like, I think it's great for people to take their passions and make it into a game and try and make it happen. Um, so you go around and collect these little molecules, and they're actually like little plastic pieces. They're you, if you get lower pledge of the game, you don't get those, which to me doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you build it? So you get these different parts and molecules. Well. I, as you're moving around the board, if you come all the way back to start, you have to discard all those atoms that you have gotten, not molecules, atoms, unless you can take those atoms and get cards that show you how to build them into molecules of things. And then you could, the molecule, once it's into a molecule, it protects the atom from getting taken. And when you are able to build a molecule, molecule, each type, there are several different types, like alcohols. Um, I don't know what they all are because I'm not good with chemistry. Um, I, I just took chemistry like my junior of high school, and I was just basically like constantly assaulted by my partner in chemistry who did not help me at all. So you are building these molecules, different molecules, and then they give you – the molecule gives you a test tube, which gives you a player power, which looks really cool. Like, honestly, so you're learning all these interesting things, moving around this board, building these molecules, and there's attack cards that come in expansion that you can attack other people's molecules, which I'm sure you would not like. But this was also kind of tested in some, like, ninth grade science, although in ninth grade I did not – they're Swedish. Um, in ninth grade in America, we don't do chemistry, I don't think. Um, but it, like, worked really well in um, – the classroom. And so I think that's really kind of cool too, that it's a neat way to learn about chemistry. I don't think this is going to fund, I think it needs to be streamlined a little bit, but just, I thought that idea was really kind of cool. So if you're just interested, if you like chemistry, um, it might be something worth checking out. So it's called carbon control. There's nine days left. And to get the pledge level to actually build those plastic models of the molecules, which I think is what's Really, the only way worth it. Um, it's $72 at that level. I can't believe this game has minis in it and it hasn't funded yet. That's bizarre. Well, it's not really minis. It's like plastic not parts. 
Plastic pieces. People love plastic pieces. Apparently, people don't love plastic chemistry molecules. This one might be a little too nerdy. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is geeky, not nerdy. (laughs) Almost. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's a different story. So, that yeah, that's, that's carbon control. So, the next game is much, much lighter. In fact, all over this Kickstarter, they kept saying, it's a relaxing game. It's a relaxing game. And the game is called Floriferous. And in Floriferous, which is very difficult to say very quickly. Is this Dr. Finn? Yes, Dr. Finn is involved in this. So like I like Dr. Finn a lot. So like this is with Pencil First. Um, so they did Herbaceous, um, Whatnot Cabinet, Sunset Over Water. Um, so yeah, Steve Finn is working, um, has do- is done some designer work with Clementine Campardo. Cle- Clementine Clementine. I don't know. I think she's French. This really stunning watercolor artwork. And then um, Eduardo Baraf of Pencil First Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah. So this is gorgeous watercolor artwork about a game about flowers. So you're spending the afternoon in this flowering garden. Um, You're picking flowers. You're pairing them. You're arranging them. So it's designed to be really light. It also has a solo mode that was developed... um, by the designer of role player in Skunk Hollow, um, Keith Matejka. I don't know how to say his last name. So he developed the solo version, which has Pessy Gas looks like a crow, which I hate birds. So I feel like that's so apropos. And there's even a little spring mini expansion that kind of has new movements. So it's it's beautiful, first of all. You've got these flowers, and then you have these really, really pretty gardener ponds. Which are adorable. And you're using those pawns to move around the garden um, to pick flowers. Also, as well as getting um, like the flowers to go to a set collection. Or you're getting cards that actually have the in- have in-game goals in them. So you know what kind of set you're trying to collect. What kind of arrangements you're wanting to make. Um, you can also, there's sculptures and stones you can collect through this. Very kind of... It appears to be very laid back. Again, very beautiful. They keep saying it's so relaxing. A neat thing is you're you're moving your pawn around this grid of flowers. And so then you kind of determine player order based on where the pawns are in the grid. So that seems kind of cool. Again, that's Floriferous. There are 10 days left on that Kickstarter. And it's only 20 bucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's like most Dr. Finn games. Plays quick, easy to learn. And you have a good time. So, yeah, this one does look cool. I saw the box for it, and I like most of his games, so I'm down. Yeah, and the Whatnot Cabinet that kind of came from that same kind of um, collaboration is, you know, a fun game to play, but also very light set collection, kind of easy to play, easy to teach. And it's nice to have some games like that. So, Philoferous, 10 days, 20 bucks. The last game I want to talk about, and I would be remiss if I ignored a game that is Asian-themed and has dice placement. Hello. And that game is Eternal Palace. So this is from designer Stephen Aramini. And I know I recognize that name, but I couldn't tell you anything else that he has done. Yeah, I did something from him. Uh, I did a video. I know. I'm like, I I totally know this guy's name. and I'm going to look him up. Keep talking. Okay. So in this game, you are kind of working on rebuilding this palace for the emperor. You're really going to get his favor. We're each kind of a rival noble family. And we're wanting to help rebuild um, this palace. We are, you know, making, building monuments and um, gathering resources to do so. Also um, making a painting, a beautiful multi-layered painting. Um to kind of commemorate what's happening. And so how you do that is through dice placement. Your dice are your workers. You're rolling them and then secretly grouping them behind a screen. So some of the places you need to go require certain numbers on a die. Others of them require a collective amount of pips between dice. So like you are secretly deciding where you're going to go behind your screen so you can always know okay am i going to be blocked out of the spot what's going to happen which i think is really great that's really cool um the painting that you're doing is like has layers to it and so there's like i think 14 different layers that you can get to lay down on this painting to make and oh my gosh the artwork is 
phenomenal. Like, it's so beautiful. And I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for an Asian theme and Asian aesthetic. And it really is beautiful. It's super beautiful. There are tracks. So when you're placing the spots, multiple visits kind of advance you on a track. If you move up the track, you get some bonus points. You get like a unique feature piece. Um, so you're trying to kind of beat out your opponents to get the top of tracks. Um, there are like these wisdom tokens that allow you to mitigate what your dice rolls are. Oh, he did Sprawlopolis, Agropolis, and Yardmaster. We just talked about Stephen Armini before. Yeah, and, and Tricky Tides. Oh, that's the one we were, we were thinking tricky of. Tricky Tides. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of when you were saying his name. Well, well, well. So the when you go place your dice at these different locations to do the work, whatever it is you're doing to work towards this palace, you're then getting these unique art to put in your painting that you're layering to create this masterpiece, and you're getting points for those. Um Oh my gosh, like the painting pieces, um, unique features that could go into your painting pieces, the cards, there's a whole solo variant that comes with this. There's these awesome resources. Um, so this is, I think, one to five players, you've got a bunch of dice, you've got these markers, they're all in really beautifully aesthetic colors. So this game, which sounds amazing, is $46.00. For Eternal Palace, this is five days left on the Kickstarter at the time that this um, episode airs. So 46 bucks gives you a lot. However, y'all know me. I'm a little extra. So if you go a little extra to get the deluxe edition, oh, they got miniatures. They got four beautiful monument miniatures that are re really are beautiful. Not only that, but you get two expansions one includes a labyrinth kind of a labyrinth maze that you can also help build as well as an exports expansion so kind of like a like a market type exports board that you can do which i think is really cool too these miniatures are awesome there's like this really pretty bridge um a pagoda you could paint them if you wanted I mean, I wouldn't because I can't, but other people might. It just looks really great. So that if you want the Deluxified Edition, that is $58. So not even $10 more for minis and two expansions. So if that intrigues you, dice placement, um, Asian theme, art theme. I'm looking at you, Fred. Eternal Palace. Check that out. Five days left on Kickstarter. 46 bucks for the base pledge. 58 for the deluxe. Yeah, you had me at the deluxe until you said minis. Ugh. There's only four, and they're really cool. Come on. Don't act like we don't have games with minis. Don't act like that's not even I'm a not, thing. I'm not acting like it. I just have to swallow down my vomit okay. every time I pull them off the okay, shelf. Okay, $8. $8 for two expansions. How do you like that? Yeah, I do like the expansion piece. I'll just throw the minis away. <gasps> no, I will take them and play with them. You know, that's the only reason why I want miniatures. It's just to play with them. I'm not even, I don't even care if they're integral to the game. I just want to play with them. Yeah, this one seems, this one seems really cool. This will be one that I probably would back if I was going to back any. And it also seems like the heaviest game that this guy has designed. Because I'm just looking through the stuff that he's done. Right. This one seems a lot beefier than the ones, at least that I've played of his. Yeah, but it looks good. I'm, I'm excited. So that's my news. All right. So now we're going to move on to some games played. And up at the top here, there's going to be a couple of games that I played with someone who's not Katie because <laughs> she was busy last weekend. So I did some gaming by myself uh, and Brand my buddy Brandon. Um, so the first two games will be games that I play without Katie. And the last one will be a game that we played together. So the first one I wanted to talk about is a deck building game about golf. And I recently put up a video on YouTube for this, and it is called Duffers from TGG Games. And this literally is what I just said. It's a deck building game where you're using the cards. They're going to be um, like golf bags, different kinds of shoes, gloves, different kinds of golf clubs. And you're trying to either use the card for the credits to be able to buy additional cards for your deck or use them to complete a hole. Each hole has a certain amount of par. It has a certain amount of yardage that you need. It may have a restriction or something of clubs that you can't use. Um, 
and you're just trying to score the lowest strokes possible through the nine holes or however many holes you want to play. You can play six if you want. And it's really cool. So if you like deck building uh, and you like golf, maybe check this out. If you just like deck building, you could care less about the golf theme. This is still a really good deck builder. It's a little deeper than some because there's a lot of math with the yardage and all that stuff, trying to figure some of that out. And I dig it. So Duffers is the first game. Yeah, I want to play this because I love deck building. I mean, I hate golf. I think that's stupid, but I do really love deck building. So it'd be nice if you would play games with me sometime. You were gone. I have friends, man. Okay, people need me. Well, then don't make it seem like I'm the bad guy here. I'm just saying. You're always like, oh, this game's so great. It has all the mechanics Kay would love, but don't worry. I didn't let her play it with me. In my defense, I didn't say this game was that great, but <laughs> I know oh. I know what you're saying. I mean, this is it's a fine game. It's BGM approved. It's just not my favorite deck builder game. I mean, it's no well, ICP. I mean, what is? <laughs> uh, the next game I want to talk about, I also play with Brandon. And our daughter. Not no, not this one. That's Web of Gold. This is oh, Spy Web. This okay. is a different. They one. both had Web. I didn't know. You didn't yeah, let me play either. So I didn't. I didn't. I'm keeping all the good games from I you. So it. this is a two-player only game from 1989 or 90, somewhere around there. And what you're basically doing in this is you are going to be sending a spy out to one of nine locations. Your opponent is trying to figure out where your spy is and which spy is in that city. So basically what you're going to be doing is each spy is going to be looking at something, listening to something, or pointing at something, or doing multiples of of those. You're going to ask questions like, what is this spy looking at? And you'll say the spy's name, and then the other player has to tell you if they're looking at another spy, if they're looking at nothing, if they're looking at a car, a boat, or a plane, and you're trying to figure out where each of the spies are, in what city, and you're trying to figure out which spy is not on the grid because he's the special spy that you're trying to find out. It's effectively Guess Who meets, um, what was the other one that I said? Battleship. So it's a really good mix of those two games. And it's actually a lot harder than it sounds. I mean, I smashed Brandon two games in a row. That felt pretty good. <laughs> but um, it, it's a really fun. It's it's silly and like the art is, is awful and goofy. But the gameplay is really fun. And this will be one that we need to play together because I think you would really dig it. So... Spyweb, game number two. You do think I would dig it? Because based on your description, I thought, ooh, I'm so glad you didn't make me play this. No, it's it's still, it has some deduction in it. And the way that you're asking questions, kind of like Mr. The Abbey type okay. thing. Okay, okay. Not as deep as that by any means, but it's it's a similar feel where you're trying to figure out stuff by asking questions. It's, pr- it's pretty neat. Okay. Someday. All right, so the, yeah, someday. I mean, it's on the shelf. It's all good. Um, so the last game we played together... What? Last time, yeah, last time we had a game <laughs> night with, with our new hotness buddy. He brought this over, and this game is called Overboss, and this is a the new game set in the Boss Monster universe. Uh, you don't have to play Boss Monster to know this, but it's got like the eight bit graphics or sixteen bit graphics, whatever. And it looks like a Nintendo game. And what you're doing in this is you are trying to draft different types of tiles. They're going to have different types of terrain. And you're going to put them on a three by four grid that you have in front of you, I think, is how big it was. Sounds I thought right. it was four by four. There's a four by four on the other side. Maybe. Three I by four or four know. by four. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, so what you're trying to do is you're drafting these tiles. Each of the tiles are going to have a different way that they score or a different effect that they have when you place it on your board. But when you take a tile, you're also going to take a monster that is in the same row from where you're drafting from of that where that tile is. And then you have to put a monster on an open tile, and you're trying to score points for every the same monster you have into the same row and columns. And you're also trying to get the same type of monster on the terrain that it likes. So there's a lot of like puzzly moving stuff around, uh, getting the grid set up so you can maximize points. Uh, there's some other special tiles that will let you fix some stuff if you messed up. But majority of it is you place a tile and you try to put monsters that work with that tile on it. So I know you were struggling with this game a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. once you once you figured it out, did you actually end up liking it, or how do you feel about this? Once I figured it out, I still did poorly. Um, and part part of the thing was I think that my um, the goal that I got I don't I can't remember if it was on like my personality or whatever, or if it was just like a random goal. 
Yeah, it, the only goals you got were was on like your special power card. Okay, it was like to get a certain type of tile that had to do with like switching and moving, and I was like, wait, what? Um, because I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I am like a moron when it comes to spatial manipulation. Like even just sliding square tiles around, I cannot do it for some reason. My brain just like shuts down. Like <laughs> we after this, we played like Lost Ruins of Arnak. Which has, like, all different kinds of things happening once. I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally get this. Yeah. Way more difficult than this game. I was like, this is so easy. Like, oh, yeah, I got it. You only have to finish explaining. I totally got this game. And I, like, won. Pretty good. Like, like kind of by a lot. This game, I was like, every single turn, I'm like, now what do I do again? I take this tile, and then I take this one, but I don't take this one? Like, I just could not get it. So the only thing I could do was, like, okay, if I get this certain type of terrain... I get extra points. So I just kept collecting it, even though it was the most difficult, like to manage train. And I totally ignored some other stuff. And apparently I did understand the rules, right? About how monsters should be grouped. It was kind of a cluster, really what was happening on my board, but I would like to give it another go now that I have suffered through it once and like finally beat my brain into submission. Like, Hey, moron, this is how this game works. Um, I would like to give it another try because I think I really think I could do better. Like, I really do. We can just not play with that one tile that was causing you all the problems. <laughs> I was like, why do I understand this? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I think I won this, so I dig it. I like it. <sighs> um, I, I don't I don't wouldn't say dislike it. it. I mean, in theory, it should be a very simple game to play um in yeah it it is a simple game to play <laughs> in my practice it did not turn out that way but i think other people might really enjoy it and it it, it should normally be a very nice filler game in between there's still enough puzzle think to it that you still have to make good choices that are important right. um but i took those choices to the next level and made it a very trying experience for myself. Yeah, and you're only taking, depending on the grid, the 4x3 or 4x4, you're either taking 12 turns or 16 turns. So it's not a super long game. Right, right. So, yeah, it's pretty nice. Which was thankful because I suffered enough at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, the, yeah, I liked it. I liked it more than Katie. Yeah, it was it was a good game. And it's, you know, if you like any of those types of games, I think that you would dig this. I'm not saying I disliked it. I just I'm saying, wow, I probably should give it another chance. Um, <laughs> now that my brain might work this time. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. All right, so that is the games that I played and a game that Katie played. <laughs> and so not let's well. Move on. <laughs> yeah, and not well. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to the main feature that we want to talk about this week. So this week. We are talking about a topic that is really near and dear to my heart because um, this is really where I got my start, I would like to think, in gaming. Well, an early start. And that is trick-taking games. Being a kid in the Midwest, I learned to play Euchre at a fairly young age and continue to play it. Um, I've played both Standard and Bid Euchre. Um, I've played it with six people, with four people, um, with two people, all different variants. And there's something just really, um, something that really resonates with me in other trick-taking games because I have my roots in Euchre, which for me as an Ohio kid is, is just a classic kind of game background. I, every time I, we, when we were planning out this episode, I kept saying, I know we've talked about this before. I know we've talked about this before. And even as I'm sitting here looking at this, I'm like, I swear I have talked about these games before. Jason assures me that I have not. If we have, pretend that we didn't. Um, and, and, well, don't pretend that we didn't. Just remember two words. Pretty okay. <laughs> and I did. I actually looked through all of the last, you know, past 60 outlines. And that would have been when, because you came on when we were in ep after 100. And there was no trick-taking episode in there. So we probably talked about these games because that's what we do. But I don't think we've actually done a formal trick-taking episode. Hmm. Okay. So I, I guess... Um... Should we define trick-taking? If you want to. 
I mean, or I can, yeah. I mean, I can but I can butcher it with the best. of So them. it's usually we're gonna, I think, stick with cards. There's also a way to use tiles. I think that also accounts for trick taking, where everyone plays out of a hand to like a center, kind of what's called a trick into a center, a unit of play, um, and then each trick, each set of cards or tiles that are put in by each player you evaluate who the winner is based on different kinds of um yeah there are different of sets of evaluations for each game which we'll get into um and then generally the game is also then the length of it is defined by a particular number of tricks usually or rounds that consist of a certain number of tricks right and you normally have to follow suit when you're playing the trick yes unless you have like the the Pat Wild suit. Trump suit. Which people call the Trump suit, but I don't want to get anybody triggered. So the yeah, the, the the wild Trump suit, it can always be played as long as you don't have the suit that has been played al- already. So yeah. So I don't know that was the best definition, but that's everyone plays a card, the best card out of that play wins. And they right. call and that. You're a trying trick. to just get the most get the most tricks most of the time to win the game. Yeah. So these are our favorite trick-taking games. All right, so I'll get started. Um, I'll just say right off the top, Euchre and Hearts. I've probably played more than all of these, but I don't play them a ton anymore, so that's why they're not on my list. But those are trick-taking games that most people know and are pretty standard. But the first one I want to talk about is a two-player-only trick-taking game, and that game is called The Fox in the Forest. And this is effectively... It's a pretty straightforward trick-taking game with a few exceptions. A few of the cards have special powers where if you play a certain card, it may be the lowest card, but you automatically win the trick, which means you get to take the trick and you score some points. Or you may have a card that lets you switch one of the cards you played with a card that's out in the cards that aren't being used for the round. So it's going to function kind of like a, like Euchre or like Hearts, but some of the cards in the game are going to have a couple special powers that let you manipulate the tricks in your favor. So it's nice that you can play a trick-taking game with two players because that's normally not something that happens. You usually need four or more. And this one does it very well, so it had to be on my list. Fox in the Forest. Yeah, I never played this. It's another game that Jason doesn't let me play. Do we own this now? Uh, I think we're borrowing. We still have Jim and Kim's. (laughs) We have like an on loan from them. We're, We're just housing it at our place. Yeah. Um, I'd like to play it because, like I said, I like trick-taking games, and the artwork is nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not like the greatest trick-taking game in the world, but the fact that it plays two puts it up there because not very often can you do a trick-taking game with two. True. So that's cool. True. Okay, so my first one is maybe a little bit of a stretch. Esoteric. Yeah. Considering, in general, this is a very strange game, and that is Illimat. So in Illimat, you have suits, much like you would in a traditional kind of card trick-taking game. Um, but you are playing the, the cards that you have in your hand down into these different fields. You can sow them. Then you can also reap them. We need to bust this game out. I was just thinking, that's really it's a really fun game. Uh, um, and the way you can, like, reap and collect is by, um, have like, putting... Why am I forgetting? You have to. Why am you I have forgetting? There's a couple different with, ways. If there's a if there's a ten in the field, you need to reap with a ten. Right. So you play. You, you sow down cards that can either add up to ten or put a couple tens on top of each other, and then you can play a ten later to pick up all those tens in your scoring pot. But it's not only ten, but right. That's just the exact. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah whatever. So you're you're collecting like light cards. So the thing is, like it, the way it's a trick taking game is that I'm putting cards out. Which it's not like, oh, I mean, everyone is playing a card, one card on their turn. But you can, you then are taking cards, you're taking tricks up, even if you yourself is the one, are the one, is, if you yourself are the one that built that trick. So it's not, it doesn't have to be a card from everyone to fill the requirement to take the trick. But you are kind of on the lookout, setting up tricks, um, reaping them where you can, trying to keep others from taking them. I'm doing this game no justice at all. And it is kind of a confusing game. It takes a while to really figure out some of the nuances because you've got these other specialty cards that come in and kind of change um, 
the rules a little bit with her powers. You're also turning part of the board, which is changing the actions that can happen in the different fields where cards are laid. Um, and so in that way, I think it really kind of takes trick taking to another level because you're doing it in in a much more complex way, in a collaborative way, but you really don't want to collaborate with other people. So it's collaboratively competitive. Does that work? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Because you, you have to work with other people because you want to get cards that you want to score the cards for you. So eventually you're going to have to let other people play some cards so you can take them. Yeah, I guess yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't have to work with other people. You, yeah, you have to rely on other people playing cards right. in order to hope that you can take the tricks before they do. Yeah. It's really fun, kind of crazy. There's supposedly a theme to it, but it's super abstract. Um, but like, it has a really cool black and white, like stylistic, um, minimalistic appeal to it. Um, and it, it, I, it's. I don't know why it makes me think of euchre and trick taking games, even though it's not that in the strictest sense. But when I've introduced it to other people who are euchre players, they seem to catch on very quickly because you are using some of the same skills that you would in a game like that. So. My first one is Illinat. Yeah, it's not a trick-taking game in the the most common sense, but it does feel like that for sure when you're playing it. And also, if uh, anybody listening wants to check it out, there's a video on our YouTube channel so you can see how it plays because it's weird. There's not another game that I've ever played like this. Like It's 100% different from anything I've ever played, so it's, it's really good. Yeah, and don't use my description or, to base your opinion of it on there. Watch <laughs> Jason's video because that was yeah, horrible. Yeah. Watch any video because yeah, any video on this game will show it. It's weird, but it's really good. Um, so the next one I want to talk about, I, I put two here because I might get some some crap from some people from the first one, but I'm going to say it anyway. So the first one that I wanted to actually talk about, and then I'll go into the next one because it's more available, is the best candy on the block. Now, the reason I put a second one on here is because Katie looked this up and 11 people own this game. On so BGG. I, only On BGG. So I think uh, I got a review copy of this. We played it. I did a video, and it, I don't think the Kickstarter ever fulfilled or completed. So the copies that are out there are the copies that are out there. So I know it's not readily available, which is why I'm also going to say Skull King as a backup because you can get that like Walmart and everywhere. But Best Candy on the Block is going to be – it's a trick-taking game about Halloween candy, and there are – a bunch of different suits. I don't know, like six or eight different suits. And at the beginning of the game, everybody's getting a card that has one of the suits on there. And those are the suits that you're trying to collect to score extra points. So it's going to function just like a normal trick-taking game where if you lead the suit, everybody else has to follow unless they don't have that suit and they can throw the trump down and try to take stuff like that. Some of the suits have a couple special powers, I think. I haven't played it for a while, but I think there's a couple cards that do some funky things like cause negative points or... Uh, if someone wins a trick and you play a card, you get the trick or you get a lead anyway, something like that. But this game is really good. It follows a strict um, you, uh, like Euchre format, but it has really cute art on like standard deck of cards, and I really like it. But if that is too controversial for some of you out there because it's not available, Skull King, same kind of thing. You're playing effectively Euchre hands with a pirate theme and you're going to start out with one card and you're going to bid on how many of those tricks you think you can get. And you're going to go all the way up to 10, uh, maybe bidding zero, maybe bidding all of it to just try to score the most points. So they kind of function the same way, both of these games, but I would probably rather play best candy on the block if I had my druthers. So that's why I put it on my list. Really? So that's my number two. You'd rather play it than skulking. Yeah. yeah. I like best candy on the block a little bit better. I like it because it's cuter. Like the suits are like, caramel and peanuts and marshmallow like which i think is really fun and so they have types of candy and some candy can fall into more than one category um which is kind of cool so then you can kind of play them as as either suit which i think is really unique skull king however um has like an expansion that generally comes with it that's mermaids that gives and krakens and krakens and the kraken from the sea release the kraken um that's like the best by the way the very first clash of the titans where the kraken comes out and perseus has to save andromeda from him amazing anyway um its artwork is probably better than best king in the block but not cuter and there is a little more 
it's a deeper game. Yes, I think. it's a much deeper game. So if you just want to like have a super light, and especially around Halloween, Best King of the Block is so fun to play. But um, Skull King is probably the better game. If I yeah had to be real, I would I would probably agree with that too. But because I like, I don't actually want a super complex trick taking game. I just want kind of a regular one. That's kind of why I think I like Best Candy on the Block a little bit better. Interesting. Uh, my next game is much less controversial and much more straightforward than my first game. And we've talked about this recently because we just recently got it. And I really love this game for a number of reasons. And that game is called Hagakure. Um, so Hagakure is a trick-taking game where you've got villagers and samurai. And the artwork on this is so, so, so cute. Like, I I love the artwork. I would probably do better at this game if I wasn't so busy staring at all the cute little people on the cards. But that's beside the point. Probably used to that. Um, but in Hagakure, the interesting thing about Hagakure is you have numbers from 1 to 20. 20 it's like 26 or 28, 28 or something. I something think. like that. Um, one to 28 and everyone gets a hand. There's two zeros as well. The full. Oh yeah. And there's two fulls. So the top, um, half of the cards in numbers are samurai. Samurai is basically the only kind of suit. So if someone plays a samurai, you have to play a samurai. If you have one, that's the only restriction. If you play a villager, not everybody doesn't have to play villagers. They could play a samurai on it. And the highest card is going to take it unless you get the fools, which throw off the balance. There are also these unique, these really cool um, player powers. Everyone gets the same ones, and but you choose when you want to use them. And no matter what, in each, I think there's four rounds. It's pretty short. Um, it depends on players. The more players, the less amount of rounds. You play a minimum of five. Okay. You mean for two people, it's five or whatever. Lower player counts is five. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, for two people, it would be five. For more people, it would be six. Or no, for more people, it's five. For less people, you play more. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't think there's that many. So you're not playing a bunch of rounds, and they go pretty quickly because you only have a hand of five cards, I think? It also depends on player count, oh, yeah. Oh, crap. Whatever. Numbers. I don't know about numbers. You have a small hand, and you play them. Okay? High card wins. Um, and the thing is, when you score... No matter what, you have to take a trick or you get negative. Well, you've got these player powers that can sometimes keep you from getting negative. You can only get zero. Or if you're going to have a really good hand, you can double it. Or if you think you're going to get a lot of villagers. So you're like, there aren't a ton of points being thrown out. So using the player powers, using the fool. Um, there's another, the 18 card. Yeah, it's the lo- uh, the highest villager, sure. I, think, I think. Or something like that. Yeah. I think it's the lowest samurai. That could be. But you get an extra point if you get if you get it. Right. And it's kind of difficult because it's right in that middle zone. Um, there's just a lot of really cool things that happen in this game. It, it is basic trick-taking, but you always know what the suit is. What's the highest number is basically the trump. So it's not like you have an extra special suit to understand that changes from round to round. Um it's just based on the cards you have and when and how you use those player powers. So it's like, it's so fun. Like, I really, really enjoy this. And I think it's because it is also very close to Euchre, which I really like to play. And introducing it to people, we played with one of my friends, um, God love her, who just, when we play out of game, she's like, I just don't get it. And I'm like, you are a smart person. Like, I don't understand why you act like you can't figure out this game out. But she's a Euchre player. She played cards. She, her family and I play cards all the time still. She picked up on it like nobody's business right away, was right in the hunt, had no problem with it because it's just a very natural kind of mechanic with these neat little twists. And I, it's just such a good game. And so that is my second choice, Hagakure. Yeah, one other thing. Not all the cards are used every hand. So there are like four or five cards that are taken out. So you never really know what all cards are in there, which makes it pretty cool too. Right. So it's like the, what the kitty is in a regular Euchre hand. Yep. Yep. All right. So the last one I'm going to talk about is a cooperative trick-taking game. And that game is called The Crew. It has like a subtitle like The Quest for Planet Nine or something. I don't know. Everybody calls it The Crew. 
Um, and this is a trick-taking game where everybody's playing together to try to complete these missions that are in the rule book. So there are four different suits of cards, just like normal. But there's also three rockets. The rockets are always Trump. So if you can't follow the suit, you can play a rocket and it will take it. So if I had it, if the yellow was lead, I didn't have yellow, throw a rocket down, that could be my card. The tricky part here is there are going to be some littler cards that are going to get randomly dealt out based on the mission. And certain people will need to make sure when they take the trick that they have that card that's been assigned to them in that trick. So like if I need to get the six of green, we got to figure out a way without talking that I get that six of green in a trick that I take. So you have this one little communication token that you can give somebody a clue. If you, like I could put a card down on the table and say, this is my highest, my lowest, or this is my only of a certain type of card. And that's going to help other people know that if they play that suit, what I'm going to be doing. But that's the, the extent of the communication that you can do. So you're trying to figure out just by what people are playing, what people are taking during that mission phase what cards they need to take and what cards they have in their hand. So it's, it's tricky. <laughs> it's, um, oh boy. it's, it's complicated to figure out some of those missions without talking. You really have to, you got to rely on people to take cards from the draft based on their hand. And sometimes that doesn't go over well. Maybe people don't play a lot of Euchre or a lot of trick taking games and don't quite understand that. So you can really bone yourself if people just, haphazardly take those goal cards and you know they have a one as their high card and they need to get a nine good luck but aside from that it's infinitely replayable every even if you do the same mission 18 times in a row it's going to be different every time because the cards are going to come out in different orders you're going to get different cards that come out for the mission just so good so my third one the crew yeah i think maybe i've only played this once it was okay yeah yeah, I think you played it once. Yeah. I didn't really love it, and I don't know if it's because it was too hard and my brain couldn't handle it. I'm not really sure, which seems silly because I do really like trick-taking, and it makes sense to me. But I don't know. I think it's because it was space-themed, and I went in like, oh, gosh, it's space. And I realized it's a pasted-on theme. Yeah, I mean, it's no theme. It's no theme with space artwork. That's well, then quit using ugly artwork and make it something beautiful. <laughs> like, like Hagakure, okay? Put Asian samurais on there. I'm in. Not everything needs to be Asian themed. It does. Um, I, I would like to give this one another go. Uh, also, I, I don't, I just, I don't remember. I remember not doing very well on this one, I think. And maybe that's why I was like, what is my problem? But it's still, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, I and I do like that. It's kind of interesting to have a cooperative trick taking. So you're it's and the only thing that's working against you are the cards, right? And not even yeah. on purpose. So I think that kind of logic puzzle is really is really neat. So my last one is trick taking plus pick up and deliver. And actually, we've already mentioned this game earlier in the podcast because we talked about the designer. Look at that. And the game is Tricky Tides. So Tricky Tides has this really cool, I don't know what kind of style of artwork it is. Uh, it's like this, I wish I knew more about art. <laughs> Fred, tell us in the comments. I don't know what it is. It's not like neoclassical. <laughs> like a, it, it just looks old school. It looks kind of like retro. It's like sepia colored and like, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, it looks like I don't know, whatever old treasure map kind of art style is, that's what it is, uh, which is really cool. I really like that. I feel like I should know what that's called, but I don't. Um, so in this, you are, you have a hand of cards and the cards are in different suits. And actually what the cards do is based on the number on the cards, it contains movement for your boats. So you've got boats in front of you with a grid of cards, different cards those little islands and that's where you get the goods and places to deliver the goods okay so you are wanting to take tricks for two reasons one or well you're wanting to take a trick for one reason and whatever the special power is of the um suit that was led because there are all these different sea creatures you don't get to you don't change up trump or whatever you either play the suit that's led or you play off um you if you take win the trick with the suit that was led, you get to control that creature and make it do its special power, which can often result in you um, 
getting some more goods, switching out goods that you want, those kind of things. Another reason you play into a trick, which you have to, but the card that you play in that trick determines what kind of movement you're allowed to take on your turn in kind of the second phase in the pick up and deliver phase of the game. So it's a really cool game because the artwork is awesome and you're combining trick taking with pick up and deliver, which I think is super stinking clever. Um, it's just a really fun game, not complicated at all. Um, doesn't take up a ton of table space, pretty easy to pick up and figure out and teach. And I just, it's just a lot of fun. And it really is a very aesthetically pleasing. So that is my last choice, Tricky Tides. Yeah, this is probably my favorite one on the list, honestly. Really? I really like this. Yeah, I like this game a lot. More than Hakakure? Yeah, I, well, I like Pick Up and Deliver. And I think the way that Mm -hmm. this game does it is awesome. Yeah, I really like this game. Yes. So those are our favorite. I don't think best is the right word. Those are our favorite trick-taking games. Yeah, I'll I'll update that right now. (laughs) So I'm no, we know we've missed some. Um, and, and also, I'm interested to see what people who didn't grow up playing Euchre think about trick-taking games. If it's something you enjoy um, or do not enjoy as much because you don't have that kind of background, that nostalgia in it, please, please tell us. If you do like trick-taking, tell us what trick-taking games you liked and what we missed. Find us on Facebook for sure. Um, join hashtag the riveted. Our Facebook group is awesome. People are so great. I learn new stuff there all the time. See new games, find out new stuff, feel supported, feel the love. Everybody loves playing games. We don't care what kind of game you love. You're, you're welcome. Um, Instagram. Love seeing those pictures of what people are playing, what people receive in the mail, all that good stuff. Twitter. I don't know anything about the Twitters because I am a 75-year-old woman inside an elder millennial body. But Jason mans the Twitter account. So tweet away. Retweet us. Let us know um, about this episode. How you feel about trick-taking games. Which ones you like. And of course, the YouTubes. Um, We have had a couple new subscribers and stuff out there. Keep it coming. Like We're trying to put content out there. Jason's always good with review videos. I really need to pick up my game on that. Um, we haven't done an unboxing in a while, but we haven't really gotten a box in a while, except for um, old games from the uh, Goodwill store. <laughs> Maybe we need to start unboxing those. Um, but definitely check us out on YouTube. Like, subscribe, uh, comment. So we know what you guys think are, is interesting, what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of. Probably my face. Which, again, I'm not on there very often, so that's all for you. Uh, But definitely reach out, communicate with us. We really enjoy interacting and hearing from you guys. I I really like uh, interacting with the Riveted. Well, some of you. (laughs) (laughs) He enjoys interacting with people over the internet where he doesn't actually have to interact with you in person. So he's really into that. That's true. No, all all the... all the members of the Riverdale are great, drama-free group. Just talk about games, have a good time. Awesome. That's right. Also, check out our friends at the Board Game Rundown. They have a cool like video podcast that they do weekly that Katie mentioned earlier. And even though they talked about Cthulhu this week and miniatures and all that stuff, they're still a cool channel. Don't let that dissuade you from watching them. Go check them out as well. They're they're pretty solid. Yeah, and they like different games than us totally. So I think that's important. There is space in the hobby for all of us. I think next week they said they were going to do Monopoly. Why they love Monopoly. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I will support them. Uh, <laughs> I'll watch it too. I'm just saying. <laughs> I was promised Sherlock Holmes. That's what I really want to hear about. Ooh, that would be cool. I know, right? Maybe that's what we should do next week. My favorite Sherlock Holmes game? Um, consulting Detective, Consulting Detective, Consulting Detective. The three. Di- I'll just sit this one. I'll sit this one out. The three different versions of Consulting Detective that I have. It's so good. All right. It's getting late. Well, it's getting late here. Where where you are, it may be early. What time is it? Four thirty. It's not late. No. No. It's early. Early. A little copyright claim. Copyright I know. I was claim. like, oh dang, spin doctors are gonna come after us. <laughs> Sorry. Eighties and nineties kids, that was for you. All right, I think we better quit while we're not even ahead. <laughs> Yeah, we don't normally get ahead on this podcast. Nope, just pretty okay. (laughs) I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody.
keep gaming.